ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can always tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. So lots of basketball on today's show. We are taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. We will take you right up to coverage on most ESPN radio stations of the play-in games tonight, Hawks and Cavs will get it going at 7.30 p.m., followed by Pelicans at Clippers. That is a 10 p.m. tip-off. We had the big news breaking in the NBA earlier today that Paul George has tested positive for COVID-19. He will not be playing tonight in a must-win game against the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Clippers now without Kawhi Leonard and without Paul George tonight. So interesting series, but Harry, let's look ahead to the first round of these playoffs and let's talk about these matchups starting in the West. Now the Suns are going to face either the Pels or the Clips, but let's start with the Suns here at the top of the conference. They've been the best team in the NBA all season long, whether it's the Pelicans or the Clippers, whether Paul George is there for game one on Sunday or not. If it's the Clippers, do you see either of these teams getting past the Suns in a best of seven? Not at all. Just because the Suns have been the best team in basketball all year, you look at a floor general like Chris Paul and what he's meant to the game of basketball his entire career, not to mention you think about a Devin Booker who at some point a lot of people were talking about, even as Draymond Green, being an MVP-type caliber player even in 2021-2022 season. He's a guy that could do it mid-range. He could do it from the free throw line. He could do it from the three-point line. Then you add in DeAndre Ayton, a guy who can protect the rim, shoot that 17-footer, be a rim protector. But you have a guy like Mikael Bridges, who is a two-way player as well, who can defend, who can give you points. And then all the supporting cast that they do have, I think they're a deep team as well. Jay Crowder getting doing the hustle plays and making the Thomas baskets when he needs to do that as well. So I like the Suns, and they're actually my favorite to win the, uh, the NBA championship this year. Just because I think it's, it's, it's this is going to be the year. This is going to be the easiest year for Chris Paul to try to get it done. I think I won't say easiest. This would be the best year for him to be able to get it done. This, the team who went to the finals last year as well. Yeah, this feels like the most lopsided year for the Western Conference, yeah. where it feels very top heavy. And by top, I mean the the top, the top, like the top, <laughs> the one team at the top of the Western Conference feels so far and above everybody else. And that's no disrespect to what the Grizz have done this season. But that Suns team has been so dominant. And to your point, they're so deep and they're so deep beyond those guys as well. They're key pieces where they're still out here winning when CP3 goes down with a hand injury. They're still out here winning, by the way, when Devin Booker, their record when Devin Booker hasn't been available uh, is unbelievably impressive as well. Johnson too. Yes. He missed some time. They still found a way to win. And yet they're healthy now and they're heading into these playoffs. I just don't think either the Pelicans or the Clippers um, are going to be able to get it done against the Phoenix Suns. So let's move on. I said that there was the big breaking news out of the NBA that Paul George will not be participating tonight. Well, there's also the big breaking news out of the NBA that in terms of game one, Luka Doncic will not be participating when his Dallas Mavericks take on the Utah Jazz 
I don't know if he'll come back after game one. We don't have that information right now. He has just been ruled out for game one with a left calf strain. He has not practiced since suffering that injury in the third quarter of his regular season finale on Sunday. I do think that there's some questions there about whether Luca should have been playing in the regular season finale, Harry. But what, how do you see this, this series playing out? For me, if Luca can't be out there for the Mavs, then it's a wrap. Like, they don't stand a chance against the Jazz. If Luca's out there, a very different story for me. Yeah, I don't think they stand a chance either. And I don't want to disrespect Jalen Bronson, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, because those guys have been great complementary pieces to Luka Doncic. But Luka does so much on a basketball court. He plays with pace. You see some of the passes that he makes. He's going to the rim, just flips it behind his head, throws it to one of his guys. They knock down a three. He means so much to his team. To the point to where I will say, Luka might be the most important player to his team when you look at the entirety of the NBA. Now, I understand you have the Joker as well. You have Jokic, but you take Luka. (laughs) You take Luka, but but at the same time, if – Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. is there, you still have two guys that you can call upon if 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 they weren't hurt. Right, that's not the case with Luca. Yeah. That's not but that's not the case with Luca. Luca I understand who, what you're who, saying. Who are you There's, gonna call on if Luca's not out there to get right, it done? Even, even if his supporting cast is healthy, then he, if yes. if both those guys have healthy supporting cast, Luca has less to work with than Jokic. Fine. Jokic, yep. of course, has been doing it this season without a healthy supporting cast and is still Correct. in MVP con- contention and still has his team in these playoffs. So let's talk about these playoffs for a second when it comes to Jokic. The Nuggets, they take on the Warriors. How do you see that series going? Because there's question marks in terms of health for the Warriors as well. Ooh. Um, I can't bet against the Warriors just because they have done it for so long. And the key for them is to be healthy, right? They're big three. Um, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Those are the three most important guys on their team. But I like a Jordan Poole and what he has brought to that team scoring-wise and stepping up when guys are, have been down. Kayvon Looney. In that series, I think a Kayvon Looney is going to be very important in protecting the rim and, and making sure he's a defensive presence. Um, I, I see the Warriors coming out maybe three, uh, maybe four, two winning that series. Let's go to uh, the last of these games in the West, the Grizz Timberwolves, uh, two young, exciting teams, one better than the other. The Timberwolves, though, have been surprising that they're here in the playoffs. Harry Douglas, what do you make of this series? I can't wait because of this particular matchup and Patrick Beverly versus Ja Morant. And we already know there's a little friction there to begin with. But when you look at this Memphis Grizzlies team and how they have been able to perform without John Morant being out there, you look at guys like Desmond Bain, who's going to be uh, – he's going to win an award for uh, most improved player. But then you have a guy like Dylan Brooks, and we've seen what Dylan Brooks can bring to the table. Just look at last year, the play-in game against the uh, Golden State Warriors and how he harassed Steph Curry and gave him fits all night long. Now, granted, Steph Curry was the only one out there trying to get it done, but still, he gave him fits. He can also score the basketball as well. You look at Brandon Clark coming off the bench. Um, you look at the big guy in the middle. He, he, he's going to be an enforcer. And this team is just – they're grimy um, – they're grinders. They have that mentality that, hey, listen, no one's going to push us around. And I like that. I actually like that. I think the NBA needs that. 
back to the days when the Pistons were playing and the Celtics. You're not just going to let nobody come in your front yard and step on your grass that you just got planted so and come in your school. house with their shoes on. Yes, I like that. That's why I like the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I'm not picking them over the Suns. I can't do that. But I think basketball and sports need that. They need that grittiness. And yeah, that's what Memphis know you, is known for. Next thing I know, you're going to tell me you don't like three-point shooting. There's too many threes these days. Oh no no I love threes now I I love when the boy that's what, I miss da- I miss miss Damian Lillard this year because the logo Lillard when he come across half court and just launch it and it hits nothing but the nets all right, and so you're you, not all old school look at no, you Mary not Douglas. all the way just a little not bit, all just, the a little way. bit. just a little bit just a little, just a little bit, little bit. Uh, I do think that this is uh, actually going to be fun a fun series to watch yes. I suppose but I just think the Grizzlies are, are just oh, yes. too good and too dominant and I mean. Another team that's deep. I mean, we were talking about the Suns can get it done without Devin Booker and CP3 out there. I mean, look at what the Grizzlies have done when Jaw hasn't been available. It's remarkable. They're even better statistically without Jaw Morant, which is which is wild. So that Grizzlies team has been so impressive all season long. I'm impressed by the Timberwolves. I'm impressed with where they've gotten. Uh, I think you saw the joy there in the making fun the stops playoffs. Now, yeah, you saw the joy. <laughs> Tucker on the scores table, all that. Uh, they made it. They reached their goal. I think the Grizz maybe have a further destination. That was the weekend preview. Weekend preview is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways that you could save. So coming up next, we will talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. What are they going to do without Paul George? And also unpack some of these Eastern Conference matchups. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. For Wilson and a dancing Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. You can always tweet to us at Amber W790 at HDouglas83. Big games tonight in the NBA. We will find out who is taking on the number one seed in both conferences. In order to do that, the Hawks and Cavs will face off 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Our coverage of these games will begin on most ESPN radio stations at 7 o'clock Eastern. The Pelicans and the Clippers will follow that one at 10 p.m. Eastern. And to talk about the Clippers, we bring in our friend Om Young Masuk, ESPN NBA reporter in Om. Big news out of Clippers camp today. Paul George has tested positive for COVID-19. He is not going to be able to go tonight. What is the latest on Paul George and how big of a loss is this for the Clippers? It's a massive loss for them. Uh, Paul yesterday, I think uh, according to uh, team president Lawrence Frank, Paul was not feeling well. And so uh, they ended up kind of moving their practice schedule from the morning until later in the afternoon. And of course he went and took a test and they ended up getting the news they did not want to hear and were not hoping for this morning that he had entered health and safety protocols. And so Paul George now is out for tonight. And if the Clippers are able to advance and earn that eighth seed in the Western Conference, they would play game one on Sunday against the Suns. And I would expect that that would be without Paul George as well, because I don't think he will be able to get out of health and safety protocols that quickly. Now, Paul George is going to be out tonight. What about Luke Kennard? Because he didn't play in the game against Minnesota. Is he going to be able to go, or he, or is he going to be out as well? Great question. Uh, Luke Kennard was, is listed as questionable. Um, I would imagine he might be a game-time decision. He was seen shooting on the court this morning prior to shoot-around. I don't know how much he was able to do in shoot-around. And I would also imagine that if he is able to play, he will somewhat be a little limited because this has been a hamstring injury now that has popped up twice on him. 
And so for them to lose their top three-point shooter, and of course one of the best in the NBA, um, they need him tonight to be able to spread the floor without PG on the floor. They need his perimeter shooting. So having him out there on the court in what could be the last game of the season for them, and clearly the biggest game of the season for them, would be huge. Om Young Masuk on with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. So a huge loss, obviously, for this Clippers team, not having Paul George, but a loss that they're frankly kind of used to because they didn't have him for something like 50 games this season, Om. So how does Ty Lue pivot, and how important is it, do you think, that they are used to a long stretch of this season not having Paul George out there, and it didn't go so terribly for them? I mean, they were almost 500 without him. Yeah, so for those who, who have not seen or followed the Clippers all season, uh, this is a team that has not had Kawhi Leonard play a single minute this season. Paul George missed 51 games, and they've also had numerous other veterans in and out of the lineup, and still Ty Lue has managed to get this team uh, with the eighth-best record in the NBA. And, yes, when Paul George came back about eight games ago, uh, they won six of eight games, and their offense improved. I would say dramatically, Um, but they also are a team that knows how to play without Paul George, knows how to play without Kawhi Leonard, who uh, Lawrence Frank told us this morning, there still remains no timetable for his return. And so this is a situation where uh, they've always kind of done this. Their mentality is next man up. And we saw Ty Luce sitting at shoot around with Terrence Mann before shoot around, kind of having a little chat with him. Terrence Mann is one of these other guys that's going to have to step up big tonight. Uh, he is a young kid who shined last postseason. If you remember in game six, in the game in which they defeated uh, Utah to make their first Western Conference Finals ever, uh, Terrence Mann exploded in that game. So they're going to need a massive game from him as well. But this is a, this is a situation that they are used to. Of course, uh, they only have one game left in their season. If they lose tonight, they're not going to make the playoffs. So it's their biggest game. And so they're going to have to shine uh, without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard one more time. A situation they're used to, not a situation they want by any means. Om Young Masuk, thanks so much for jumping on with us for a few minutes. Okay, thank you. So, Harry, I want to jump over to the Eastern Conference real quick, go through some of these matchups to you with you. We're, we're up against the clock, so we're going to have to do it quickly. But I wanted to give you an opportunity here because we did the West. So let's talk the Heat. Uh, they will be matching up with either your Hawks or the Cavs. Can either of those teams get it done over the Heat? I think the Hawks can, but let's move forward. I want to go ahead and get to the Sixers versus Raptors. All right, let's talk Sixers and Raptors. That's where the juice is. That's what I want to get to. And and a key piece of this is going to be James Harden. The two most recent games that they played against the Toronto Raptors, James Harden has nine turnovers. He shot eight for 24. That's 33%. That hasn't been good. Um, But also, the Toronto Raptors this entire season are three and one versus the Sixers, and and one of those games also, Joel Embiid didn't have a good game as well. So when I look at this Toronto Raptors team, they present so many things because they're long and lanky. I like Fred Van Fleet and what he's been able to do this season. I like Gary Trent coming over from the Portland Trail Blazers, uh, Blazers, Gary Trent Jr., let me say that because his father played in the lead as well, and how he can shoot the basketball. That team is dangerous because of their length, Scotty Burns and Anobi, Siakam, um, you are you have telling me the Raptors up. are going to beat the 76ers in the first round a, of these playoffs? It's a possibility. It's it a is possibility. a possibility. Now, it's not crazy to say, right? We're talking about a four versus a five. I do think that's an interesting matchup, though. Uh, I, I would not rule it out as a possibility. Here, here's and, the, man, would things look bad for James Harden if they get Thibel, bounced in the first round? Defensively, it's not going to be able to play because he took one 
um, I think shot, uh, vaccine shot, but not the other one. As Stephen, as Stephen A. says, I don't right. know. That's just ridiculous. That's lazy. You have <laughs> one, but you don't have the rest of them. That, that makes no sense to me. Any team that matches up with the Raptors, if they are to move forward in these playoffs, I think that you're going to continue to hear some of these issues with the vaccine mandate up in Canada, or at least a lot of the teams uh, in the East. All right, so let's talk real quick. Bucks, Bulls. Is there any chance the Bulls topple the Bucks? No, the, just the Bulls down the stretch. They, they was a team that I, I was the most disappointed with down the stretch outside of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they started off hot. They started off uh, – playing a good brand of basketball and playing winning basketball. But of late, I just don't like what I've seen from them. I was at the game against the New York Knicks. They let Alec Burks uh, go off on them. So I don't think the Bulls are going to be able to do anything. But at the same time, they do have two guys who can score at will, and that's Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. So that also has to be in the back of the Bucks' mind. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan having the best season of his entire NBA career, which is unusual for somebody who's, of course, been in the league for as long as he's been in it to uh, just take that leap in your 30s uh, like he has this season. I think the Bulls have already reached your destination being in the playoffs this season, being that six seed, but you are not going to get past, I don't believe, a very, very good Milwaukee Bucks team that I think, frankly, could be playing in another NBA Finals. I'm not even going to ask you about the Celtics and the Nets because we have talked exhaustively about the Celtics and the Nets series. If you missed any of that, you can always check out the podcast on ESPN Radio. Coming up, Doug Glanville will join us. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern here on ESPN Radio. And then on most ESPN Radio stations, our coverage of the play-in games will begin. The Hawks take on the Cavs tonight. That is a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. The Pelicans take on the Clippers. That is a 10 p.m. tip-off tonight. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Now, Harry, I had tuned in to Keyshawn J. Will and Max this morning, our morning show here on ESPN Radio. And they were having a conversation, I think spurred by their producer, Evan, that I thought was funny because Evan was making the argument that Russell Wilson is not as good as everybody says he is. And I don't know if that's out as outlandish of a take as maybe it initially sounds. And it kind of seems like Keyshawn Johnson might agree with him a little bit. He was kind of quietly <laughs> over there agreeing. Uh, whereas the other guys thought that Evan was out to lunch. But I do think with Russell Wilson, it's not as cut and dry his story as people think because of the last two years. If you had asked me a few years ago if Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback in the NFL, I would have been very willing to have that conversation. And they threw out there, is he already a Hall of Fame quarterback? And like he's got the ring and all, but man, off of the last couple of years, I don't know if that answer or that story is fully written yet. And I do think what he does here in Denver matters some, and he was brought into Denver to win championships. If things don't go well for Den in Denver for you, Harry Douglas is Russell Wilson in the hall. Um, Hall or is he an elite quarterback? See, yeah, those are two different conversations. <laughs> who is elite? Who is an elite elite quarterback? Uh, well, who's not in the Hall of Fame, though? I mean, think about the well, guys I'll, you would I'll, put I'll in the elite this. quarterback conversation. Uh, I'll say this: when I look at a guy like Russell Wilson, and me personally, I think the only year that he had down wise would be last year in 2021, which happens to be the only year 
that he missed a football game all the other nine years, and he missed three games last year. Every other year he's played every other game, every game in the National Football League that he's been in the league, right? So when you look at Russ, 2020, he threw for 4,200 yards, 40 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Like, I, I don't know what, what more you can ask for Russell Wilson. The year before that, he threw for 4,100 yards, 31 touchdowns, and five interceptions. But one thing I can say about Russell Wilson is that he has been consistent. He's a guy who, in his over in entirety of his career, is thrown for 3,700 yards, 292 touchdowns, and 87 interceptions, completing 65% of his passes. He's been to nine Pro Bowls. He's a Super Bowl champion. Now, I look that at – That does sound like a Hall of Famer to me when you're laying it out yeah, there that, with that, the numbers. That, it does sound here, like a Hall of Famer. Here's the tricky part that a lot of people don't pay attention to. Since Russell Wilson came into the National Football League, right, he has been sacked 427 times. Mm-hmm. That's 62 more than the next guy, which is Matt Ryan at 365. So he's doing it, being a guy who can escape pressure. So that just lets you know how bad Seattle's offensive line play has been over those years as well. He still found a way to get it done. Now, I think Russell Wilson does a great job of improvising when the play breaks down, being able to provide – um, ex- extending the play and giving the receivers an opportunity to catch uh, a lot of balls when it, when it comes to scramble plays. He does a great job of that. But you never see Russell Wilson really taking big hits because he knows how to protect himself when he has to scramble and slide. And at, well, when he scrambles, he does slides and get down. So when I look at Russ, I think he is a Hall of Famer because he has the resume. Um, now, as far as being an elite quarterback – I don't know because right now in that tier one, we talk about tiers. I only have three guys in that tier one. I have Tom Brady, who was the greatest of all time. I have Aaron Rodgers, who can make every single throw possible. And then I have Patrick Mahomes, who can make every single throw possible. Right? I have those three guys in that tier one on top of the house looking down at everybody else. Only Just three guys is elite. You, yeah, you're not willing to entertain the conversation about uh, Josh Allen this, or this is, Joe Burrow. It's, it's, or, it's not just it's, – I'm not just talking about the moment. I'm talking about over their entire career and the things that they're done. When you think of Patrick Mahomes, right, the first year as a starter, Patrick Mahomes was in the ASC championship game. If it, if it wasn't for a defensive lineman not being disciplined and lining up offsides, they would have beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, and they would have went to the Super Bowl. Then he won it. Then he threw for 50 touchdowns in a season. Then he went to another Super Bowl. They lost it. Then he went to an ASC championship game again. When you look at that, the, there's one thing in my mind, there's consistency there, right? So that's why I put Patrick Mahomes in that category. You look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl wins, so you only got to discuss him. Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers got some stuff he needs to do. Now, he's been back-to-back MVP the last two years, but he has a Super Bowl ring. Now, he needs to get another Super Bowl but I think Aaron Rodgers, when you look at him, I think he has the best ball placement of any quarterback in the National Football League. He can make every single throw with a flick of a wrist. If we used to watch him in meeting rooms with, back when they had Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver and Greg Jennings and James Jones and those guys, and just watch them on scramble plays alone. Scramble plays now, not plays that are scripted. And we used to say, how in the hell do they get so many big plays just off scramble plays? But when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who can throw the ball 60 yards, 
uh, rolling the opposite way of his throwing arm, that's how you get scramble plays like that. So I think those guys are in tier one. Russell Wilson, he is a good quarterback. Um, I don't, I won't, I won't put him in an elite status, but he has the resume for Hall of Famer in my, in my eyes. I do, think and he he's th- a future. he throws the best deep ball in the National Football League. The well, best deep that. ball. I, I, I think no, maybe, no, no, no. maybe that, that guy that you just mentioned, Aaron Rodgers, does. That that is a confirmed by a ton of wide receivers. Wide receivers. In the receivers. What do you people know? You know, Amber Wilson <laughs> sitting here behind this mic at ESPN Radio. She knows about deep balls in the NFL. <laughs> Keyshawn Johnson. Speaking of wide receivers, he's on a show called Keyshawn J. Will and Max here on ESPN Radio in the mornings. He says that the Broncos didn't bring Wilson over to not win a Super Bowl. That is the goal. So they bring in Russell Wilson to win a Super Bowl. Considering that division, that is a lot to ask. He certainly left the easier conference, let's put it that way. Uh, Teddy Bruschi, ESPN's NFL analyst, he was on that same show on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He agrees with Harry Douglas that Russell Wilson is just a tier below elite. So basically, he's naming quarterbacks that maybe still have something else to do in their. You heard what he said, right? That's what it feels like. He did name, and he and what's funny is he named all those quarterbacks that I just named that I question you are those guys not elite? And so it sounds (laughs) like he's sounds like Teddy Bruschi and Harry Douglas are on the same page where the elite elite is reserved for a very very select few. I don't have a huge problem with that assessment. I do think him moving to Denver gives him something else to prove. If he had stayed in Seattle, oh, yes. frankly, I don't know if he would have had anything else to prove. So I think that that's really interesting. I'm not saying it was a bad move. By the way, he just bought a $25 million house reportedly with Sierra. Like that is, I mean, I know there's some houses in the NFL because I understand how y'all do all y- y'all, you people, um, by you people, I mean, you NFL players, uh, but $25 million for a house. That is serious. Got 10 I'm bathrooms. Cheap. What do you do with 10 bathrooms, Harry Douglas? I'm cheap. I got a deal on mine. I'm cheap. I mean, how many places do you need to go to the restroom? Anyway. $25 million on a home. So even if Russell Wilson doesn't win in Denver, he's still out here winning with that new house with him and Sierra. $25 million. I mean, that's that's an expensive – That Sierra might have chipped in as well for that one. All right, coming up next, it is that time of day. We go three and out. This is ESPN Radio with Harry Douglas and Amber Wilson. ESPN Radio. Just talking about elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Harry Douglas is only willing to say three quarterbacks in the NFL are elite. Aaron Rodgers being one of those quarterbacks on his list, although Harry did kind of on the slide there mention that he still has some more work left to do. Most people would agree with you, though. Aaron Rodgers is elite. He's going to need some help, though, in order to get more work done. Like, he's going to need some people to throw the football to. And that seems to have been a problem for Aaron Rodgers. And then he lost his favorite target in Devontae Adams, where the Packers have finally added to their receiver room. They have signed Sammy Watkins. The team announced the deal yesterday. It did not reveal the terms. A source told ESPN's Adam Schefter that Watson's contract is for one year worth up to $4 million, so not a big cap hit against the Packers uh, that were reportedly up against it. Harry, what do you make of the Sammy Watkins signing? Is it going to be very helpful for Green Bay? Well, I think they hope so, and and I hope so as well. Now, Sammy Watkins, he only played in 13 games last year, so uh, the thing is about Sammy, can he stay on the football field and not be injured? And he only had 394 yards and one touchdown last year. Didn't really play a huge role in Lamar Jackson and being a target for him. 
or for any quarterback when Lamar was out. But this was a move I think the Green Bay Packers had to make, some kind of wide receiver, mm -hmm. because right now they only have Alan Lazard. Um, they have Amari Rodgers, and then they have Randall Cobb. Now you add in a Sammy Watkins, and hopefully you have a – I think their head coach, he, he's going to be tested this year because now he has to be able to put guys in positions to be successful. Not saying that he didn't do that before, but when you lose a guy like a Devontae Adams, now your X's and O's have to be that much on point uh, because you don't have that guy that Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers gets to say, hey, go get open, I got you. You know what I mean? So it's good for the Green Bay Packers because they need more receivers, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do draft-wise because I still believe that they can draft a receiver or two yeah. in the draft this year. I think that's their plan here. Now, they have lost three receivers uh, this offseason, so they have lost a lot there. So they, they get a pickup here. Uh, he Watkins, you know, he struggled, like Harry mentioned last season. It was a career low in terms of reception and receiving yards uh, with him for Baltimore. But Baltimore was decimated last season as well. His problem really has been durability. I mean, he's missed 30 games over the past seven seasons. He hasn't played a full season since 2014. That was Sammy Watkins' rookie season. But this is a buy low, low risk pickup for the Green Bay Packers. And then I'm with Harry. I think that they addressed this wide receiver room in the draft to try to bolster it with some of that young talent. We know it's a deep draft at wide receiver. Every April 15th is Jackie Robinson Day, but today is even more special. It's the 75th anniversary of when he shattered the color barrier and set the stage for momentous change in society. Today, an NBA legend recounts seeing Robinson's exploits in person and making history in his own sport as an agent of change. This is part of our series, Black History Always. ESPN Radio. Oscar Robertson sued the NBA in 1970, seeking to end the reserve clause, which bound a player to his team forever. The league's average salary was about $35,000. Six years later, the NBA settled, and the free agency rule named for Robertson was born. The average NBA salary today is around $10 million. That is making changes. For more firsthand reflections, the complete 12-part series, Jackie to Me, is now available on the ESPN app. Tune in to an NL Battle Sunday as the Padres host the Braves. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Shout out to Kimberly A. Martin for helping us with today's show. She joined us earlier to talk all things NFL. Om Young Masuk joined us to talk about uh, this Clippers matchup tonight. Amber Wilson with Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. And now it is time, Harry Douglas, to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst, sometimes it's the best, but this is the absolute best. Dickie V is cancer free harry douglas it was ring the bell time any cancer survivor knows about ring the bell time he tweeted out seven months but that he was thrilled to hear his doctor tell him that he could ring the bell which means he is cancer free dickie v and i communicated during this battle i'm a cancer survivor i am so thrilled to see that he can join me as a survivor as a warrior harry douglas awesome news this is dope. Uh, a guy like Dickie V, who's a legend. He's awesome with a capital A, baby. He's awesome. He's awesome. I love Dickie V. This is awesome. As awesome. I love, as v, awesome as awesome I love his gets. energy. I love everything about him. I've been watching Dickie V since I was a kid. So shout out to Dickie V, man. We all love you, and we're glad you're cancer free and you as well, Amber. 
Yes. Uh, shout out to Dickie V. Dickie V, when I was a teenager, he took the time once. I saw him at breakfast. He's I, I, from Sarasota, Florida, which is where Dickie V lives. And he was nice enough when I was a teenager to take the time once uh, out at breakfast to talk to me, encourage me, because I told him I had big dreams in this business. So I am uh, so thrilled to now work at the same company as Dickie V. That's like a full circle moment for me. All right. The $518,000 sale of the Game Ball used... For Tom Brady's un for Tom Brady's retired ball, remember it sold at auction for five hundred eighteen thousand. Somebody had spent half a million dollars on the ball, the last ball used for Tom Brady before he retired, and then he unretired, and maybe he fake retired because there's you know the whole Miami <laughs> Dolphins reports out there. Harry Douglas, well, the auction house has decided to give that man his money back. They have reached an agreement. That man will get his money back. He's not spending a hundred or five hundred thousand odd dollars on a fake retirement ball from Tom Brady. So a shout out to that auction house. I feel like that was the right thing to do. That's Leland's a blessing. But I auctions. will say this: if you can spend five hundred eighteen thousand dollars on a football of that magnitude, you probably don't need your money back. But I mean, that's it's good fine. That they actually, but got their money back. Even good. people who have money like to keep money, right? And Mike Hafner, oh, right the president that. at Leland, right he that, said uh, that it was the right thing to do. Hawks, Cavs, seven thirty p.m. tip off. Pelicans, Clippers, ten p.m. tip off. All the coverage on most ESPN radio stations starts right after we get off air, which is now. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. Thanks for listening, guys.